Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on either team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Min $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Conference Championship is already here on the PFF Betting Podcast. As always, I'm joined by Anthony Trash today, prepping you with all the best bets spread out, spread out both Friday and Saturday. Uh, we had, you know, a fairly good week last week. My uh, recommended plays on the podcast went three and one. Trash was one game above 500. Did have a big upset with North Texas winning outright. So uh, we are going to look to keep the momentum rolling in Conference Championship week. But first. Trash, how are you kind of feeling? I know it's been a pretty chaotic week uh, from a college football perspective. Coaching turnover, players entering the transfer portal. Has it been uh, a little bit of a grind for you? How are you kind of feeling about some of these uh, teams heading into 2022 right now? Yeah, man, it's been, I mean, crazy to say the least. It's just been, I didn't expect this kind of chaos this early, but here we are. Um, you know, I've, I've been enjoying it. And it's going to be interesting to see it was specifically just because of the whole Lincoln Riley. I think that shifts it, it, a lot across college football. I mean, USC, they've landed the, their most, you know, talented recruits in years already and just a right. week removed from Lincoln right. Riley getting hired. So it's been crazy to see all these guys flip in the recruitment, uh, the transfer portals just hot and heavy already. Probably I would say more talented transfers this year in the portal already than there were in, in entirety of last season, which is right. absolutely crazy. And, this is only the beginning, and I think the madness is just going to continue to increase, and not just for you know the rest of this year, but I think going forward, this with the one-time transfer, it's college free agency, and you know some of these coaches, you know, making changes. The recruiting front has been absolutely crazy. So I think USC, just looking forward and on for them. I mean, they they hit the white whale, you know, home run there, and I think they're going to get back to relevancy, and that's what Lincoln Riley's gonna end up doing and becoming that I think you want to become a coaching legend and I think right. this is a stepping stone to getting there because if Oklahoma and the SEC you're not probably not going to become a coaching legend but if you turn around USC which everything he's done so far has been better than they've had in years then he's going to be considered one of those one of the top coaches ever right definitely I, I do agree with that it's kind of interesting too right because I think uh you know our evaluation of uh, coaches, especially at the NFL level, um, is different than how we kind of approach the evaluation of coaches at the 
at the college level, right? Obviously, recruiting is a big factor in that. Do you think that, you know, recruiting at the college football level is the most important uh, skill set for a successful coach to have, or do you still think there's some other things involved as far as, like, in-game, you know, play calling, management, those sorts of things that uh, should also be considered here uh, in some of these coaching hires and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's probably the most important, but it's not the one singular thing. Just because you can recruit better than anyone else in the country doesn't mean you're going to, you know, win national title after national title. And, you know, really the case in point is Penn State. I mean, James Franklin, uh, last couple of years haven't been great, but over the course of his entire, you know, head coaching tenure there in Happy Valley, it's been pretty good. And he's continuously pulling five stars after five stars, one of the top recruiting classes, but they really haven't gotten to that next level. And it's all about player development, too. Um, and I think another big factor as well, and I was talking to Seth Galina, you know, one of the smartest people I ever talked to about the game of football here, PFF analyst, and he's a big LSU guy. And he was kind of, he's like, I like the Brian Kelly hire, but I'm not going to make a firm statement on it until I find out who the coordinators are. And I 100% right. agree with that. It's not just the recruiting, not the head coach itself, but also the people surrounding them, you know, the play calling aspect of it and really developing these young players because, you know, when you, if you can get the raw athletes, that's fantastic. But you need to get those raw athletes and a little bit more polish there and making right. sure you have the right people in place and getting that polish is absolutely huge. And we're seeing that case in point this year with the Georgia Bulldogs, you know. Right, right, right. Yeah, I think that's really well said, right? I do think it is kind of an interesting dynamic, specifically at the college level. And I do agree with you as far as Seth Galina. Uh, if you like, you know, Seth's work, obviously he does a lot of content on PFF.com. He also has the Two High podcast, great podcast, uh, talking a lot more about deep dive into the X's and O's scheme-based strategy and those sorts of things uh, at the college and NFL level. So I do think if you, you know, like a lot more of that aspect of it, I do think it is, you know, a great addition to the PFF, uh, you know, podcast network. And I do think it's really uh, enjoyable to learn more about the game from Seth and Deontay. So definitely check that one out. Check out everything we got at PFF.com. Uh, I think you can still maybe get uh, some discounts if you're checking out, you know, the PFF betting tool and those sorts of things. Make sure you lock in that PFF Elite subscription if you haven't already. It's definitely worth uh, the price of admission. So we are going in here. We got 11 games coming up here Friday and Saturday. PFF Greenline has you covered uh, with all the best bets. Let's dive into it, Trish. We got, uh, you know, first thing starting off here right away on Friday. We got Western Kentucky, UTSA. We talked a little bit about this one off air, but it has been pretty significant line movement in Western Kentucky's direction. I think they'd opened up, you know, minus one for Western Kentucky, has trickled all the way out to minus three and a half, crossed minus three. Uh, Greenline does show a little bit of value on UTSA. We also show a little bit of value on uh, the under 72.5. Uh, are you are you backing UTSA in this one? Are you going against Greenland? How are you kind of feeling about this particular matchup here? Yeah, I mean, early on in the week, I loved Western Kentucky, um, you know, favored by one point there. But like you said, the line movement, now it's three and a half. I'm just staying away from this one. I didn't jump on that one early enough. I think Western Kentucky, they're, they're far superior talented on offense, offensively. Uh, Bailey Zappi, the Houston Baptist quarterback transfer, has been exceptional this year. He's putting up numbers in that air raid offense of theirs. And then Jared Stearns, his wide receiver, who also came with them from Houston Baptist, has been great. One of the top group of five wide receivers. Um, and I think, you know, UTSA's defense is going to have a tough time with that. And, you know, I've always said I've, I was all in on the hype. You know, I was very happy to see what the Roadrunners were able to do, you know, 11-0. But I do think that they were a little bit overrated to a certain extent. And we saw that last week against North Texas. Um, so I think Western Kentucky is going to win this game. But from a betting perspective, I don't know if I can touch it with that line now in three and a half. 
Right. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. So do you do you like maybe uh, the total? I feel like I'm you know a little bit nervous about playing under seventy two and a half, but I do think that is a pretty solid value. We have one point two percent value on that. Do you like uh, the under? Maybe or are you basically just avoiding this game altogether? Yeah, I think I'm going to avoid this game altogether uh, just because I've tried to touch Western Kentucky's unders in the past and it's burnt me. Burnt uh, just because, right. yeah, this is, a, this is an offense that can put up some points uh, rather quickly, uh, like I said, with that air raid attack. So I'm, I'm just going to stay away from this game altogether and just enjoy some nice Friday night football. Group of five there we go. Players. There we go. So moving on to the other Friday night football, we got Oregon, Utah, obviously Pac-12 championship game. Uh, Utah has actually moved down just a little bit in the spread market. I think it opened up minus three, down to minus two and a half for Utah. 57 and a half point total. Green line also shows value uh, on both of the spread and the total, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Are you just going to be enjoying football here on Friday night, or are you actually going to lock something in here in this Pac-12 title game? Yeah, I'm just going to be enjoying football for the first hour because UTSA Western Kentucky kicks for an hour, and then 8 o'clock happens, and then I'm going to put on. some money there well, beforehand on the Utes. I like Utah here, minus 2.5. Uh, I think like the line movement and kind of coming down a little bit, I feel like there's a certain element, and it's like, well, maybe you know Utah's going to be feeling a little high and mighty because they blew them out. Oregon that is a few weeks ago. Maybe they think this is going to be another easy one for them, um, and so they're kind of going the other way. I still think Utah's you know a much better all-around football team. Um, you know, Cam Rising hasn't played the best the last couple of weeks, um, but I think he's probably going to get some turnaround here. I like what they're doing, kind of you know with the run game. Tavion Thomas, the running back, he's been one of the top Pac-12 backs since his midseason emergence. Um, you know, you also look defensively, that pass rush, man. Back when they played Oregon, that was a big factor in really shutting down Oregon's offense. Micah Tafua, actually the edge defender for him, Utah, he's at the one of the highest graded pass rushers since week seven. Actually leads the FBS in pressures generated since then uh, with 46, higher than Thibodeau, higher than Aiden Hutchinson, and all the other talented edge defenders. Um, you know, and I think he's going to make another big impact in this game. He had seven alone against Oregon a few weeks ago. So I think that defense is going to control Oregon. And I have faith in that Utah offense with the running game there. And I think they're going to get some play action shots incorporated off that running game to really find some success here. So I like Utah minus two and a half. Yeah, definitely. I'm in 100% agreement with, with you. I do think the Utes are definitely the play on the spread. Uh, if you think Utah kind of controls that Oregon offense, are you leading toward the under 57.5? We do have a little bit of value uh, on that spot as well. Is that something that you are uh, maybe sprinkling into your betting portfolio? I didn't plan on it, but you know, just sitting here looking at it and thinking about it, I think I will. I think that's a little bit too high of a number, so I'm going to side with Greenland. I, I kind of like the there we go. We're signing with Greenline right now. We'll see if that continues on as we work our way through the next nine games happening on Saturday. We got uh, first one probably kicking off Baylor, Oklahoma State. Uh, Going to be an interesting match for the Big 12, you know, Big 12 title game, basically. Five and a half point spread for Oklahoma State. Obviously, they still have, you know, some aspirations of potentially getting into the college football playoff. I don't think that's necessarily going to happen. Uh, PFF's, you know, simulation has it happening. Uh, I guess, you know, 57% of the time, so there could be, you know, definitely some plausible snares. We have them getting in ahead of Notre Dame. I'm not sure if everyone would agree uh, with that assessment, uh, but they need to win here. 46 and a half point total. Uh, do you like anything on the spread or money or spread or total in this matchup? Yeah, I like Oklahoma State here. You know, minus five and a half. I think they're going to win this game. And really, the big reason I say that is because, you know, number one, they have one of the best defenses in college football. It's a top five graded one at the Power Five level. It's definitely in that second tier behind Georgia with Wisconsin, Michigan, 
Um, I, I really do like what they're doing defensively, um, both you know stopping the pass and especially the run. The run defense has been spectacular. But they have Baylor on offense. Their quarterback Jerry Bohannon, he's uncertain right now as of the time we're recording this. Um, and even if he does play, he's not going to be 100%. And Jerry Bohannon, he's not the best quarterback in the world. He's very much helped out by Jeff Grimes, the offensive coordinator's scheme. But at the end of the day, he is better than the backup, uh, Blake right. Shapin, who actually produced at a poor level in terms of passing grade last week when he filled in for Bohannon. Caught some good breaks there, had a couple of big-time throws, but three turnover-worthy plays and no interceptions to speak of. So he caught some luck there. And I think against this type of defense, they're not, he's not going to get away with those lucky breaks. Um, so I think Oklahoma State, I like him minus five and a half. And I will say this. I do think that this, if they win this game, like I think they will. I think they will make the college football playoff. But I would probably put Notre Dame in there. I think Notre Dame would beat them on a neutral field. That is interesting. Okay. I, I, I mean, so you, you basically have like uh, the actual power rankings for both teams. You think Notre Dame is better overall, but you do think that Oklahoma State actually probably gets in just the fact that they win the conference championship? Or what What do you think? Is it more just like committee-based? you think that's kind of the direction they're leaning already with the rankings? Or how, why? what makes you think that Oklahoma State's probably going to be the team to get in over Notre Dame? Yeah, I mean, just looking at the way the committee kind of operates, and it's, it's very hard to kind of get a, you know, what's going on within that meeting room there just because they're so inconsistent. But right now, they have Oklahoma State above Notre Dame, and you know whether or not it's just because they had they did that because of the whole Brian Kelly fiasco, and they came right. out and said that played a part of it, which I do not understand why. Um, but at the right. end of the day, we know they value conference championships a lot, especially at the Power Five level. Um, so if Oklahoma State can get that Big Twelve title, um, and Notre Dame sitting there with no conference championship to speak of, I think that's going to be enough for them to put Oklahoma State above Notre Dame. There we go. I like it. I can get on board with that quite a bit. So here we go. We got, we're got. we moving on. We got Maxion here kicking off noon Eastern, Kent State, Northern Illinois. Obviously, uh, probably the highest, it, it is the highest total uh, college football Saturday, 74 and a half points, three and a half point uh, for the Kent State. Uh, do you like anything in this particular matchup? We don't have any value on Greenland, but I thought we could maybe touch on it really quick if there's a spot that you like in this game. Yeah, I'm kind of leaning with Kent State in the market right now. 59% of the cash on Kent State. Um, I'm, I'm leaning with that direction just because I have a little bit more faith in that offense. Dustin Crum leading the way um, has been there for a few years now and has had a lot has had a lot of success this season. Um, you know, positive EPA both in the run and pass. So I like Kent State here for a little match and play. There we go. I can get I can get on board with it. I like it quite a bit. So let's move out. Mount West Conference kicking off three Eastern. We got uh, Austin Gale, San Diego State, Aztecs, six-point favorites over Utah State. 50-point total. Maybe that's a little bit high from a San Diego State perspective, but, uh, you know, they have the by far the number one defense in the Mountain West Conference, uh, and Utah State has the worst defense in the Mountain West Conference. So how do you think, you know, that particular matchup, uh, do you think, uh, do you think San Diego State's potentially going to be able to slow down Utah State enough to cover the six-point spread? Yeah, the problem is that that's a pretty fat spread for a San Diego State team. Right, I mean, right. I've comped them to – they're the Iowa of the West Coast. That's the way they play football. Um, and so I like the under in this one, under 50. I think that defense is going to stop Utah State, but whether or not San Diego State's offense can score enough points is my big concern there. So I'm just going to play the total. 50, like you said, is a lot for San Diego State, so I'm going under. Yeah. I'm going with you. I like that one, too. So let's go uh, Sunbelt Conference, App State, the Louisiana Raisin Cajuns. Uh, you know, no Billy Napier anymore. Uh, I think he is still coaching this game, of course. But, yeah, he's moving on. Uh, 
Three point spread for Appalachian State, 53 point total. Uh, are you kind of fading uh, the Raging Cajuns or how are you kind of approaching this matchup? I'm buying into the Raging Cajuns. Um, I, th I think, you know, the st distraction aspect of it, um, I think that plays into it, but also the rah rah, you know, stand up the last game and everything that, right, that can also right. go into it. But the big thing for me is that App State quarterback, Chase Bryce, he's been good at times this year, but anytime he's been good, it's been against really bad defenses. Louisiana's defense with Patrick Tony, the defensive coordinator leading the way, who could potentially could be joining Napier in Florida. We still don't know yet. One of the rising stars in college football is a very good defense, and I think Chase Price is going to struggle. So I like Louisiana, Louisiana getting three points here. All right, and then we got the game of the weekend, I would say for sure. Obviously, it has college football playoff implications. A lot of other implications. Alabama, Georgia, six-and-a-half-point spread for Georgia. It's basically stuck to that uh, all week. I think it's been bounced between six, six-and-a-half. 49-and-a-half point total. Uh, what do you think Alabama needs to do in this game uh, in order to ensure that they end the college football playoffs? Do they need to win outright? Uh, do they just need to cover the spread, lose by three? Like, What is your uh, projection for Alabama and what they need to do to actually get into the college football playoff? I think if they enter the fourth quarter with a, a chance to win where everybody's on the same page, like Alabama still has a good chance to win this game then okay. I think that would be enough. So I think if as long as it's within three, seven points, somewhere in there where it's close enough where they have a chance to win, I think that would be enough for the committee to put them in. But personally, I don't think that's going to be the case. I It's it's funny because like a month and a half ago, I was talking with um, Eric Eager. Um, you know, again, you and Eric Eager, I've always said, is the best batters I've ever met. And we, I was asking him, what's the spread going to be on Georgia Bama in the SEC title game? And he said three points. And I was like, really? I thought it would be about a touchdown. And it opened up at three. Now it's about six and a half. It hasn't flirted with seven yet, but close. Um, and I still like Georgia minus six and a half just because their strength matches up perfectly with Alabama's weakness. Um, you know, Georgia's pass rush, of course. What they can do with the athletes they have, some of the blitzes and stunts they can get, they get after the quarterback and they can do so at a very high rate. And this Alabama team is not like what past ones we've seen. They're very poor in protecting the passer. And that's not only just losing one-on-one -on -one battles outside of Evan Neal. He's even lost some, but everyone else along the offensive line in particular. But the coaching staff getting the right protections in place has been a big issue. They actually have allowed unblocked pressure on 61 pass plays this season. That's 10 more than any other SEC team in 2021. And I think that's going to be a problem. And I think we're going to see an Alabama offense like we saw against LSU and Auburn, a lot of pressure. Um, inefficiency and a few points scored for them. Um, so I think Georgia wins this one, and I think they cover that number. Okay, okay. I'm I'm opposite with you. I do think Alabama is going to get it done. I have bet Alabama already. Um, I do think they're probably the only playable side, but I guess I've de I've definitely been wrong before. There's no doubt about that. Do you have any Do you have any play on the total 49 and a half points? I know Greenline maybe leans uh, toward toward the over, but I do think. Playing the over kind of uh, indicates that you have a preference toward Alabama being successful against this Georgia defense uh, and being able to score some points and probably covering in that scenario. So I'm assuming you're probably leaning more toward the under just based on you know what you said previously. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think it's probably got like a 27 to 10 feel type of game. That's okay. what I've kind of been envisioning. Um, so I'm definitely leaning under in this one. But yeah, you and Eric are both on Bama. Kind of makes me nervous, but I did make a little side bet. Little friendly bet with Eric. Uh, friendly side for this one with the six friendly stake bet. There we yeah. go. Friendly stake bet. Things you love to see. We haven't got enough of those happening 
uh, in PFF this year. I know George and Eric were big on it last year, but haven't heard too much about it this year, unfortunately. So I'm glad you guys are getting at least some friendly wagers rolling here uh, for this, you know, SEC title game. Another intriguing matchup that I'm really excited to pull up, AAC Championship. Cincinnati, 10.5 point spread, uh, 53 point total. This one, you know, can potentially have some college football playoff implications as well, especially if Houston uh, wins outright. Greenlight does like Houston potentially cover uh, 10.5 points. Do show 2% value uh, on the money line as well. I think their win probability based on the spread or on the money line market, uh, 23%. We have it closer to 25% win expectation. So do you think Houston uh, is the bet on this matchup or how do you kind of like this one? Yeah, I'm leaning Cincinnati in this one, actually. Oh, this is another one I'm going against Greenline. And this is probably the week where I've been against Greenline the most, which is right. it. Like I always say, that makes me nervous because Greenline has done pretty dang good. Um, you know, the, the biggest thing is, like, Houston, I've been a big fan of Houston. I've always said I think they're a top 15 in college football. Um, but I think Cincinnati truly is one of the premier teams this year. Um, and Houston's kind of the Cincinnati light, I would say. Just the junior version of Cincinnati. Very good. Both sides of the ball. Every single facet. But they are going to struggle against some of the stronger teams in a certain facet. And one that really stands out to me is the one passing offense Houston's defense has struggled with this year was SMU. And Cincinnati put the clamps on SMU. What Tanner Mordecai was doing at SMU, I mean, he had a lot of success against some of the, um, pretty much everyone but Cincinnati, right? right. And I think this man-to-man -man defense that Cincinnati has is going to put, you know, a lot of stress on Houston's offense. Clayton Toon, the quarterback, big fan of him. He's been playing great the last few weeks, actually the highest-graded quarterback since week nine in college football but again he's facing usf um you know uconn a lot of cupcake defenses and this is not a cupcake defense at all whatsoever um desmond ritter's been playing better as of late i think with his deep passing ability i think they're going to create some explosive plays um so I'm, I'm leaning cincinnati here and this one's at home at nipper stadium in the queen city so i think that definitely helps yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I don't know if I, I already have some Houston bets, but you definitely make me a little bit more nervous uh, about that side of this action here. But that'll be an interesting one. Maybe maybe you and I will have to bet uh, bet some friendly wagers on that particular AAC title game. But let's move on. Big Ten. This is the one that I am probably the most intrigued with from a betting perspective. Um, I did had some. I got some early odds boosts on Michigan to win the Big Ten title game uh, back in the preseason that obviously looked good now. So I got a little bit of a hedge middle happening uh, with Iowa here. They are 10.5 point underdogs. Iowa is 43.5 point total. Uh, pretty, pretty widespread for how low that total is. Uh, do you think Michigan does enough offensively to cover this widespread? Or uh, what, do you, what do you make of this matchup? Yeah, I think Michigan's going to do enough to cover that number. And really for me, it's just I have no faith in Iowa's offense to do anything against Michigan's defense. And looking at the two, um, I really think it's going to, they're going to be lucky to cross 10 points. Iowa, that is. I think their team total for the game is like 16 and a half. Um, yeah. You know, Michigan's defense against Power 5 offenses this year ranks third in run defensive grade, first in pass rush grade. If you look at Iowa as a whole, their rush offense has the fourth least efficient rush, uh, rush offense in the Power 5. They're passing offense in the power five. They're 48th in pressure rate allowed. Worst success rate when under pressure. Um, and I think that's going to be very tough for them. You know, again, it's a strength versus weakness battle. It's very bad for Iowa um, right there. So I think that Michigan's going to be able to do enough to really just, you know, I wouldn't say blow them out per se, but I think they're going to control that game, you know, really from start to finish. Okay, you you really do have absolutely no faith in Greenline this week, and it sounds like outside of the, outside of the very first match. But that's that's good though. You got to have, you know, obviously you 
have watched the games, done a lot of your own work and stuff like that. So I do think, uh, you know, getting alternate perspectives before locking in some of those bets uh, is a great thing to have happen here. So I honestly, and this is, and that's the one that I think I'm probably like least on board with what Green Line has. We have been high on Iowa basically all season long. In some ways, some ways that's been justified, but they definitely haven't, uh, you know, for a little while there when they were like potentially looking at the college football playoff. Uh, just not a team that is actually capable of getting to that level. So maybe that's the reason why we're a little bit overrating them compared to the market because the market kind of knows that expectation. There's other things that you know we're folding in that maybe don't necessarily have all of that uh, measured up quite the same as the betting market. So that is an interesting spot. Let's go to the uh, ACC. We got Pittsburgh. We got Wake Forest. Uh, 71 point total. Kind of an intriguing total, I would say for sure. Three point spread for for Pittsburgh. Uh, who do you like in this one? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm leaning with the over here just with these these high-powered passing offenses. Um, and I like Wake Forest getting three points here. I, these teams are just so similar that I think you got to take the underdog. I mean, these are the top. These are actually the two most valuable quarterbacks in college football this season. Sam Hartman's first and wins above average generated, 1.35. Kenny Pickett right there, number two, just behind 1.34. But the big thing for me is that Wake's defense has been inconsistent this year. Um, but the one... The one key trait that they struggle with is running quarterbacks. They've had a tough time with those. We saw it against Syracuse. We saw it against North Carolina. Um, and Kenny Pickett, he's not a runner. He's not an elite athlete by any means. I think he should be invited to New York for the Heisman ceremony, not necessarily win it, but he should be there because he's been exceptional this season. But over the last three weeks, hasn't really been, you know, the elite standard that he was kind of in the, the early parts and the mid parts of the 2021 season. Actually, his three lowest graded games of the season have come in the last three weeks. Pitt's been 39th in passing efficiency in the Power Five in that span. So I like Wake here, and I also like the over. Okay, okay. Oof, that one's tough. I, I was leaning toward the under. I do agree with you, though. I do think this could be a spot where a lot more points are being, you know, obviously the market projects quite a bit of points to be scored. Uh, maybe it takes, you know, a few more big plays to get over it, but I'm a little bit I'm a little bit nervous about uh, playing the under in that matchup for sure. But it is a ticket that I've already locked in, so we will see. We're on the we're on the opposite sides of that one as well. Let's see if we are on the final game here. Pac-12. We got Cal minus four and a half, 57 and a half point total. Greenline shows just a little bit of value on USC. Is are you buying? Are you rolling with Greenline in this match? Where you going? Uh, are you going with the Golden Bears here from California? I think I'm just going to stay away from this one. Stay there's away. Just, yeah, there's just so much like uncertainty with USC right now. I mean, you have Jackson Dart, you know, the quarterback sliding up in other uh, players' DMs saying, hey, let's get something cooking for next season. <laughs> Talking about maybe transferring. There's been reports maybe Kayla Williams or Spencer Rattler might transfer to USC. And at that point, Jackson Dart's out. I think there's right. just a lot going on with USC and Cal. When we honestly have no faith in either to put your money on. So I'm just going to stay away from that one and enjoy the conference championship slate instead of the one. Yeah, definitely. I do think, you know, a lot of times, especially with the uncertainty, especially when there's things that, you know, models cannot take into, betting models cannot take into account, uh, the best approach is often no bet whatsoever. So I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I have not bet USC either. Uh, Greenline does show a little bit of value on them, but I don't think they are the correct side. So we will see. Any any final words of wisdom, parting thoughts, anything else you got for us, Tresh, here on Saturday? Or are you just uh, going to sit back and enjoy some conference championship action? Oh, yeah. I'm just going to enjoy it all. I think this is one of the most exciting conference championships. I mean, I can remember over the last few years. It's been a heck of a week in college football. It's only going to go up from here. That Bama-Georgia game is going to be a heck of a game to watch. So I'm looking right. forward to it. 
Right, definitely. That could 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 potentially be, you know, the game of the year. We will see if they get a rematch here later on the college football playoffs. But I don't know. Those are the two best teams in the college football in college football this year, from my perspective. So we will see how things tr- shake out here on Saturday, uh, and then heading into Sunday when we get that college football rankings released. So make sure you check it all out. Check out all of Tresh's great content at PFF.com. We got you know NCA Greenland. We got the Power Rankings page. We got Best Bets tool if you're looking at some more NFL player props and those sorts of things. Make sure you check it all out at PFF.com. From Ben Brown, joined by Anthony Tresh. We appreciate you all listening to the PFF Betting Podcast. <laughs>